Lord Jesus, living Lord Jesus, living and loving us one by one here this morning. In your mercy, Lord, please take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, please be seated. Well, I don't know that I've ever been caught so flat-footed and amazed at something so grand happening. Thank you, Dr. Terry. Thank you, Christ Church at Grove Farm, Elsie McKenzie and uh, Sally Dunbar, and whomever else is behind this scholarship fund that's been set up at Trinity. The power of training just one person for ministry is exponential. I don't know who paid for my education in England, but three years of theology were paid for. I often think about that and wish I knew who to go to to repay. But the ministry that has ensued, that has followed on from that education, I constantly reflect on that it was such a fantastic foundation that I'm still rooted in and still ministering from. So the whole context for my life, so that uh, a scholarship with my name on it at Trinity School for Ministry is a great honor. And thank you very much, all of you, for this. Thank you. just a moment, I'm going to introduce a young lady that I met several months ago. But before that, I want to encourage you all to be down in Fellowship Hall following this service for our adult education. Some of you checked out on that announcement. I know how it works. You don't go there. It's not a part of your habit on Sunday morning. And so when it's said, it flies by you. I'm stopping that flight right now and asking you to be there. It's a phenomenal course, the Truth Project. And as, if you heard me preach last week, as I was saying then, praying and pleading that God revive and restore us. That's a one-by-one encounter with the Lord. But the means of grace provided that that might happen is several fold. And one is this opportunity for your education. It's more than just an education because you will get engaged and in discussion even at a distance, maybe. So please, if you regard my leadership at all, If you've got any discretion with what happens following this service, 
in your time, with your time, be at that education this week. If you're there this week, you'll be there each week. I'm absolutely sure of it. Now, Megan, come on and uh, let me introduce you. Several months ago, I was speaking out the other end of town in Lower Burrell at a wonderful banquet, and this young lady here was one of the speakers. You looked a lot more prominent up there on that platform that evening. But what she had to say was so astounding. And uh, Vera Morelli, who runs that ministry, worships with us week by week. So it's one of those ministries. There's information about it in that brochure in your service sheet. It's from Tri Life and the counties out and around Lower Burrell. Anyway, I want you to give a warm welcome to Megan and her son, who she'll be introducing in just a moment, please. Thank you. My name is Megan Gould, um, and I grew up apostolic, and I'm number eight of 14 children. Um, so my parents unintentionally, you know, because having to work several jobs to be able to support us, kind of, you know, left myself and my siblings home to tend to ourselves. And as a result of that, um, I obviously left me to search for love and affection elsewhere. And at the young age of 15, I became pregnant. And as a result of that pregnancy being unplanned, I became depressed and even had some suicidal ideations. Um, and to add to the burden of the unplanned pregnancy, um, I had a doctor at some point in the pregnancy because of some abnormal test results. He had approached me about the option to terminate my pregnancy, that my unborn child could be could be born Down syndrome. But for me, and because of my apostolic background, abortion was never an option. It was never an outlet. And um, I was able to graduate from Valley High School with the help of Even Start. It was a program that was geared to help parents stay in school. And at that time, I was the youngest to attend. But I needed help. And that help for me came in the form of Tri Life Center. And I came across that place just, just literally walking across down the street. I just stumbled upon it and I went in. Um, and that place became a safe haven for me. Um, it was because the women there were so non-judgmental and that Again, at my young age, I felt myself gravitating to there because I needed that loving environment that I so desperately sought. Um, through them, I was able to earn credits in, which could be exchanged for merchandise so that I could help to uh, provide for my son because, again, I was only 15. Um, but most importantly, God used them as a tool to help me to begin the healing process through prayer and counseling. 
and just being in that loving, positive environment. It was about 16 years ago at this very church, actually over in Wilson Hall, that I had attended the Silver Ring thing. It was a mentor that had driven me, personally driven me. I was the only one to come. And I actually was interviewed from a news reporter. And uh, it was then and there that I publicly proclaimed that I was sick and tired of searching. But in my heart, I was surrendering my life to Christ. It was also that day that I had taken the vow to remain abstinent until marriage, and I kept that commitment. And um, I've now been married 11 years, and my husband is too a saved man of God. And between the two of us, we have another son, Malachi, who was eight, and they're both at home sick, unfortunately. Um, I've been blessed to be able to own a Habitat for Humanity house, and I'm now a registered nurse. And um, I'd like to introduce my son, Nigel, to you. Um, <laughs> Nigel, too, has taken the vow to remain abstinent until marriage. And I just wanted to mention that, you know, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm so far from where I used to be. And through all of that, even still, God had a plan for not only myself, but for my son, because I could have aborted him. But, you know, God held us close. Even at that point, he kept us close to him. So thank you all for having me. Hey, thank you, dear. Thank you. Hey, congratulations. Another life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, if you turn to page six in your service sheet, it will bring you to the passage in Psalm 139 that we are spending our time with as we come to God's Word this morning. Any number of years ago now, it seems like nearly a lifetime, woman in my congregation that happened to be St. Stephen's Episcopal Church down in Sewickley said to me, had I considered the abortion issue? I had not. I'd never been involved in politics. I, I don't think up until that point I'd ever voted. Uh, decisions in courts and by legislators and the government seems so remote and distant from me, whether in England or here in the USA, I had not been engaged. But when I looked into what abortion was, I immediately, in my soul, was captured by the Lord for the cause of what we now call pro-life. And to see Roe versus Wade, one of these days, reversed in our courts. I'm absolutely convinced, just as slavery was abolished, so this law will be changed and abortion will be, that's legal abortion, will be abolished in the United States of America. 
That will happen one day. And between here and there, like William Wilberforce in England, who kept on for years and years working in Parliament, working with small groups of people around the country for the abolition of slavery... The same thing is going on here now for the abolition of abortion on demand. I just heard the statistic and I find it hard to believe, not heard it, but have it in print on my desk, that over this last year, 75% of Planned Parenthood clinics have closed down. That seems hard to believe. I'm going to research that information. But the sacredness of life, the sanctity of human life, is this, that it was created by God, and not only so, for he created all things. But we were created originally in his image for a personal relationship with him and with the potential of living eternally with him. And Christ Jesus came and died on the cross for us to pay the penalty for our sin and the sin of abortion and whatever other sins, from the little ones to the huge ones, all of them representing self-centered ambition and willfulness, all sin, alienating us from God. Christ so valued the soul that was created when a human being was created that he gave his life on the cross that one by one you and I might be brought to him, made new in him, and spend eternity with him in heaven instead of hell. That, secondly, makes your life sacred and all human life sacred. Created by God in the first place for a re relationship with him, redeemed by him on the cross to renew that relationship and give to us the hope of glory in heaven. All life is sacred created by God, for God. And that's the essence of these words here in Psalm 139. Look at it with me. Verse 13, Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You were uniquely created by God, as is every other human being. When it speaks about his creating our inmost being, what is being conveyed there is the uniqueness of each individual soul that is the interior personality, the human within the body, the soul, the spirit, who you really are. God created, uniquely so, and the body as well that you dwell in, 
You knit me together in my mother's womb. Created my inmost being and knit me together in my mother's womb. You have been uniquely created by God. You have. Your fingerprint is absolutely unique in the whole world of humanity. You and you alone to state the obvious are you. There's not another like you. God uniquely created you. If you look at verse 14, it goes on to say this, I praise you. In awe and wonder, we ought to be praising God about who you are. You for yourself to praise him. King David, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I've underlined that in my Bible. I know that full well. Nothing agnostic here. No maybes. David knew exactly who created him and how amazing it was that God created him as he was. He knew it full well. God has created you. And you are amazing. I could spend the rest of the day telling you how amazing you are. From how your hand works, to the nervous system that has a brain that says, wiggle your first finger. That you have eyes to see, a brain to comprehend and remember, even images. It's all amazing. PBS, a couple of years ago, did a series that was called The Secret Life of the Brain. Listen to these words. A baby's brain in the first year of life may be the most complex organism on earth. Listen to these statistics. Wiring itself to form 1,000 trillion connections between the brain cells. That would be many more, says this article, than there are stars in the universe. That's the brain of a child in its first year of life. How amazing. More connectedness in one year in a child's brain by the trillions upon trillions than there are stars in the heavens. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. David was saying that out of faith. He just looked at himself and said, wow. We know now with the science at our fingertips how fearfully and wonderfully we are made. And that's you created by God. 
Next, if you look at verse 16, you see we were created for God's purpose. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you see that? Created for God's purpose. Not just a living being, but a life to be lived. A unique life. I just had, uh, you'll be interested in this, Dr. Terry, but I just had a letter from Dr. Alec Matia, who was one of my professors back when I was in seminary. Great Old Testament teacher and theologian. He's now in his 90s. And he said the verse for his life, Because his life, he knows, is coming to, he's certainly well into the two-minute warning of his life. (laughs) But Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, he quotes in this letter about his circumstances right now. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you know that? What this verse is saying is that every human being is known that way to God. That the life to be lived, the things to be done, already ordained for us and written in his book before one of them came to be. That highlights the tragedy of abortion. I want to ask you some questions here. To go into some individual lives and ask you, how would you respond? There was a preacher and wife who were very, very poor. They already had 14 children. Now she finds herself pregnant with the 15th. They're living in tremendous poverty, considering their poverty and the excessive world population. Would you commend she get an abortion? Would you recommend she get an abortion? Already 14, living in poverty, exploding world population. If you said yes, you've just aborted John Wesley, great leader of the awakening. Let me ask you this. Secondly, the father is sick with sniffles. The mother has TB. They have four children. First is blind. The second is dead. The third is deaf. And the fourth has tuberculosis. And she finds herself pregnant again. Given this extreme situation, would you consider recommending abortion? If you answer yes, you have just slaughtered Beethoven. Let me ask you again. A white woman, say excuse me, a white man raped a 13-year-old black girl and she got pregnant. 
If you were her, her parents, would you consider recommending an abortion? White guy raping a black girl. If you say yes, you have just eradicated Ethel Walters, the great gospel singer. One other I'm mentioning. A teenage girl is pregnant. She's not married. Her fiancé is not the father of the baby, and he's very upset. Would you consider her having an abortion? Do you say yes? You just killed Jesus. A friend sent me this. It's called Pam's Story. More than 24 years ago, she and her husband Bob were serving as missionaries in the Philippines and praying for a fifth child. They already had four. Pam contracted amoebic dysentery, an infection of, intestine, of the intestine caused by a parasite in contaminated food or drink. She went into a coma and was treated with strong, strong antibiotics before they discovered she was pregnant. Doctors urged her to abort the baby for her own safety and told her that the medicines had caused irreversible damage to her baby. She refused the abortion and cited her Christian faith as the reason for her hope that her son would be born without the devastating disabilities physicians predicted. Pam said afterward that the doctors didn't think of it as a life only a mass of fetal tissue. While pregnant, Pam nearly lost the baby four times but refused to consider abortion. She recalled making a pledge along with her husband to God saying, if you give us a son, we'll name him Timothy and we'll make him a preacher. Pam ultimately spent the last two months of her pregnancy in bed and eventually gave birth to a healthy baby boy on August the 14th, 1987. Pam's youngest son is indeed a preacher. He preaches in prisons, makes hospital visits, and serves with his father's ministry in the Philippines. He also plays football. Pam's son is Tim Tebow. Who I was watching on television, making a commentary this weekend on one of the college games. God has a plan for your life. And Jesus died on the cross for you. One last thing I want to draw to your attention as we look at this passage is how God not just only creates all this, but stays close and relates continually to us. We are created for a personal relationship, God's personal and interest and care follow us, go with us. Look at verses 17 and following. How precious to me, said David, King David, to himself. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. 
Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. He understood God's ongoing concern and care for him. Earlier in this psalm, this is not in your service sheet, but earlier in the psalm, he says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with my ways. Before my, a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Right now, God knows you front to back. Knows your life, knows where you have been. And a word to those of you sitting in this congregation that have had an abortion or participated with somebody else in that, whether it was your child who got pregnant, for the one person sitting in these pews right now whose soul is stirred the memory of the abortion you had or your participating in that act wrenches your gut. To quote, one like you may be. This woman writing said, in June of 1982, I found out that I was pregnant. I was 18 years old and two months away from college. My boyfriend was a backslidden Christian like me. And we chose abortion because we didn't want to face our family and friends. The result of that, she said, was that after my abortion, I faced mental heartaches, shed many tears, and regretted the whole decision. To this day, I still get on my knees and cry, asking the Lord for his loving forgiveness because I know I was so wrong. I struggle a lot, wondering if God will ever give me a second chance. He is such a loving God, and I believe with all my heart that He is God, and yet I always carry a conscience full of guilt. I feel like God has abandoned me, and I get so discouraged because of the nightmare of my past. Does God forgive me? She goes on to write, I believe he does. Yet I feel this sin was just too great. Is that you? One of those ministries listed in your brochure is Rachel's Vineyard. If this is you, or you know someone as I've just described, this ministry of Rachel's Vineyard it's especially put together. We have a couple of women in our congregation who are involved with this ministry. Get connected. The information is there. God loves you. Christ 
did die for your sin of abortion, you can have a new beginning. You can lay aside that guilt. God knows you front to back. He cares about you. And right now, if it is you, the Lord Jesus is reaching out to you, speaking to you, drawing you to himself. Let me close with this. I had a telephone conversation this week. As you know, we're on the radio and have been for a number of years, going way back into the past. A few years ago, my sermon, Stop the Holocaust, was broadcast on Word FM. The lady I was speaking to on the phone this week said she was driving her car on Route 28 when she heard that message. She said she started weeping and sobbing. She had never considered the pro-life cause or the reasons why she should. I'm not sure to this point whether she had had an abortion herself, but I will tell you this, that this year she is leading prayers throughout the season of Lent outside the Planned Parenthood Clinic for something called 40 Days of Life and was calling to invite me to speak at an opening of this at a service down in the city. You can be at those prayer gatherings outside Planned Parenthood, but the power of the gospel in that woman's life did more than speak to her. She is now a pro-life emissary. And so should every one of us be who know and love the Lord Jesus. Consider getting signed up for our bus ride down to the Pro-Life March, January 22nd, just a couple of weeks away. Take that brochure home and pray about those ministries and how you might be involved. Our lives, the lives of every human being, are precious to Almighty God and sacred to Him. Pray with me, will you? Lord Jesus, for that one person wrestling right now with the guilt, the pain, the loss, the sin of abortion, have mercy Reach out to him or to her. Reach deep into his or her soul. Draw them to the healing that there is in your cross and your love. For all of us, Lord, as the battle rages on across this country, with one court case after another, or one decision upon another, being made by individuals seeking abortion. Have mercy upon us, Lord. Bless these ministries, the ministries across the face of the USA that are working to rescue 
the unborn, to provide for the unborn, to minister to those who have had an abortion or contemplating having one. Hear us, dear Lord, just as we have prayed for you to revive us and to restore us. Right now, Lord, revive our passion for your word, your truth, and these living souls that you have created. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen.